0: Are you totally different when it comes to sex and copulation? Have you judged yourself out of receiving pleasure? Have you judged yourself into receiving pleasure in certain ways and excluded other ways? Would you like to know more about what else is possible with bodies? Would you like to create confidence in the bedroom and beyond? How has your sex life or lack of it affected other areas of your life? Everyone has the potency to be a sexual superhero. Get ready to listen, sense, and play with the sexualness that is you. Now, here is the host of The Pleasure Zone, pleasure diva and body whisperer, Milica Yelenich.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Pleasure Zone. You dared to choose to click in and listen. I love that. I love that you just dared to do that. And you know what's really fun is that I actually have this show available that I can talk about all things wild, wacky, sexy, and crazy. And what's fun about that to me is that, um, you know, I get people who write to me and are, will, will say things like, wow, keep up the conversation. Can't believe you're like talking about this stuff. Um, but the funny thing is, is I know I'm not the only one on the planet talking about this stuff, because a lot of times for my shows, I do research. So other people are talking about it or writing about it. Um, it just happens that I do, uh I do the research, right? So I bring stuff from a lot of different areas together. <clears throat> and my voice is changing today. Yay. So tonight's show, uh, I actually did quite a lot of research, which is what I'm mentioning that for. Um, The show is about sex and love goddesses. And I haven't actually done a show about sex and love goddesses. I've done shows about all kinds of things, sociological, anthropological. um, I may have talked about Um, goddesses briefly um, but I have not actually done a show exclusively on sex and love goddesses Um, and this one will be about the goddesses. I will do a show about the demigods and the gods, small g um, as well around the world because uh, there are so many gods that are also related to love and sex and sexuality. Um, Today I will mention one because I just found it fascinating when I was doing my research, so I couldn't resist, so I'm going to have to talk about it. (laughs) But but, uh, what today's show is about for me is that, I thought, like, even when I was researching, and and my lover husband, he was like, what's your topic tonight? I said, sex and love goddesses. He's like, what? (laughs) I'm like... I know. It just feels like a good time to talk about it. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a different topic of conversation compared to talking about maybe the history of sex toys or maybe, um, you know, how to maintain an orgasm for, you know, extended periods of time. It is a different conversation, and I think it's one that I'm becoming aware of that is more required. And why do I say that? Well... You know, there are a lot of things going on in the planet right now. Um, So this show is is being aired on uh, January 15th, 2018. And I'm saying that uh, only to give you a sense of timeline so that you get that if you're listening to this in the future that, you know, in the last few weeks all over media, there has been um, a a whole slew of things like the Golden Globes where, you know, there was a lot of male... Bashing, I felt, uh, you know, sort of a, (laughs) uh, well, I'll call it male bashing because I feel like even though it wasn't obvious, there was definitely this underlying theme of um, female empowerment. And I think there's a way, female empowerment in a way that negates men, which I'm not a fan of that. I'm all for empowerment of the people. Uh, And so... When when I feel like somebody is choosing to be empowered by um, belittling or being unkind to another, I mean, it's just like reversing it. Um, and I know there's going to be a lot of women out there who will argue with me on this. Um, you know, you, you could read The Beauty Myth if you like um it was put out in the nineties. You know, that was a great start into looking at feminism in a different way. I think Naomi Wolf wrote it. Um anyway, in that uh in that book there there was a lot of discussion about uh, you know, like what a the beauty myth and what is beauty and you know how we're how we use um a lot of different standards to define that. But uh it wasn't just that, it was to me, that book had a lot to do with not just being um a female voice being heard it had to do with it had to do with the fact that we now now it started to tap into instead of um inclusion it started to create separation again in a way that was like now we're going for a rever- in a way it's like reverse um Chauvinism. I don't know. It's so weird. So what I like to do is, uh, you know, communion with everyone and everything. You know, the birds are no greater than me. The trees are no greater than me. The men are no greater than me. The children are no greater than me. And I am no greater than any of them. So for me, um, I think really this... This invitation of looking at the sex and love goddesses really has to do with inclusion. I'm not doing this topic as an exclusion. This is not about like ramping up um, and saying that we are all better than or something. We're just, you know, we just happen to have different body parts in this embodiment um, than I happen to have. Uh, I happen to not have a penis in this embodiment. Am I aware that I would like probably to have one? Yes probably would thoroughly enjoy having a penis, I would probably get no work done. I'd probably masturbate all day long. I'm actually 99% sure I would masturbate all day long if I had a penis. So I was not born with a penis and probably if I had very large breasts, I would take pictures of them all day long and make a shit ton of money off of them. So I wasn't born with either of those because I have other things I would like to create on the planet and put out there and my penis or giant breasts would probably distract the crap out of me. So I've got what I've got so that I can do the work that I would like to do on the planet, right? Right. So do you have the parts you have so that you can do the work you'd like to do on the planet? Just maybe. So um, what I invite you to tonight is to look at this Uh, from just a different perspective, to look at this as an invitation to energies that have been present on the planet for a very long time that we've maybe put to sleep. You know, there's some things that are fun to put to sleep. Um, You know, racism is a good one to put to sleep. Sexism is a good one to put to sleep. Uh, Viruses, I like to put viruses to sleep too. There are a lot of things I'm really cool with putting to sleep, but one of the things I'm not cool with putting to sleep with is awareness is our sensuality is our sexuality is our invitation to our greatness. I'm not okay with putting those to sleep and bringing to us bringing the goddess energy back into our lives um is for me one it's a very it's a very interesting energy for a very I've had a kind of a seesaw relationship with the goddess. I'll talk about that a little bit. What the heck does that mean, right? I've had my ups and downs with the goddess energy and with the concept of goddess. So as a, as a child, um, you know, up until about the age of nine or 10, I really, really enjoyed, um, the male-dominated church, actually. I really loved going to Serbian Orthodox Church where I got to stand for, like, three hours and have mass. Um, you know, where it was segregated, women were on one side, men were on the other. You know, women could not, like, kiss icons if they had their period. There were a lot of rules and restrictions <laughs> for women in the church, and I liked it. I really liked it and my mom is so not that my mom has been uh like a woman's rights activist in some ways quietly or not quietly but in her own way she's been such an activist she's you know chosen careers that you know she chose to be a chef um and went to chef school the second year chefs uh were women were allowed to be in chef training in ontario and that was uh she was only delayed by a year because she was trying to get into circus school first and that didn't pan out. So she went for chef training <laughs> and, um, and, sh- and she was grateful that it was available. So it's, it's really funny. Like she's been quite on the edge of, of, uh, choosing into careers that were not really available to women. She, she was aware uh, also that she, uh, she had owned property with my father before um, she separated, and she waited until a law was passed. She had heard in the news that a law was about to be passed. There was this thing going on out west in uh, Canada that would allow women to own their own property. Prior to that, prior, and this is like 1980 or 1981 in Canada, women were not allowed to own property under their own name solely and un- only under their own name. They had to be undersigned or co-signed by a man. And my mom's very first job she did was not allowed to have her own uh, bank account unless it was signed or co-signed by a man. And the only way she got her first bank account after having her first job as a chef in chef training of her you know being in the second year training school, she um she had to go to a bank basically with her um with one of her f- teachers who made a huge freaking stink about women not being allowed to have their own bank accounts. And I believe that rule rule changed. And so she got her own bank account with her own name that was not co-signed by her father or her brother or her husband. Women were not allowed to have that. Isn't that jacked? This is Canada, and that was the 70s. And that was like 1980 when my mom could finally own her own property in her own name. I think it was 81 that she bought her own property in her own name. Um, you could be, you could inherit it, you could have it passed on, you could co-own it, but a man's name had to be on that property. So that's Canada. That is, you know, we're taking the rules from, from the British. So I don't know what their rules are on that. Obviously, that's changed. Women can now have their own bank accounts, but that was in the 70s. That blows my mind that women were still second-class citizens in the 1970s. A a good 50 years after women got the vote, women could not have their own freaking bank accounts or own property. Unfreaking believable. So, does that sort of shit piss me off? Yeah, that pisses me off. Would I like to remember the women who are goddesses? Hell yeah, I would. And there's a lot of them out there there are, are women like my mom who were you know quietly pioneering things there are women who were uh you know loudly pioneering things there were there were women who were raising the pioneers who had you know many children and were doing the doing the job of of the mother um and, and raising the people who became the pioneers and it takes a certain quality of character to be able to raise people who are free thinkers, who are willing to contribute to changing the planet and it, it's those kinds of people um, that are truly the ones that I'd like to honor as the walking goddesses of the planet right now, so we do have the walking goddesses and it's not, again, it's not about separation. It's really just about acknowledgement. I'd like to acknowledge those women who were on the forefront, who, you know, got the vote, who got the this, who got the that for all of us. Um, that brings me great pleasure. So how does that relate to the pleasure zone? Well, <laughs> these women who, you know, basically were identified, um, solely based on, on their, um, genitals, basically. Your genitals say that you can either vote, you can't vote, you can have a bank account, or you can own property. It's your genitals, and your genitals are your sex organs, and how much do we then resent our uh, sexual identity, our identity um, and we don't have to identify as male or female. We are infinite beings, and we have these bodies that create for us, that contribute to us, and they are identified as male and female or intersex, um or transgender and we have all these identifications because they give us certain things that we can, you know, relate to. So we have so we have, you know, the women of the planet who were rejected, their genitals basically rejected for a very long time and we're talking up until like the nineteen seventies, eighties. And you know what guys still going on today around the world. You look at places in the world where women are still getting clitoridectomies, where basically their genitals are being uh, violated completely. Where there is violation on the planet, all of that—that's where I really want to look at. You know, where have we, where have we, like diminished um, our own uh, sense of sex and love goddess that we are? We are all. We all have those energies within us. Um, we're all born of that they're they're all contributing to us constantly it's that we don't acknowledge it so um there are many cultures around the world who all have different deities um from from you know back in the day when we were polytheistic uh communities, so we're going to look at some of those bodices when we come back from this break and feel free to come and join in uh the chat room call in if you have anything you'd like to contribute love to hear from you the phone number uh in in the u s you can call one eight one five eight eight zero eight two five five and in canada one six one three eight hundred eighty seven thirty six and join the chat room just come on in to Inspire Choices Network and join us in the chat room. Really look forward to hearing from you guys right after this break.
0: to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the pleasure zone with militza every Monday at 8 pm. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time and 5 p.m. Pacific time on inspiredchoicesnetwork.com.
2: What if there's nothing wrong with you? What if you're far greater than you've ever given yourself credit for? beinguclass.com.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Pleasure Zone. I'm your host, Milica Jelenic, and tonight the topic is sex and love goddesses here on The Pleasure Zone. Very exciting topic because most of my topics do have to do with sex uh, itself as uh, as the act of sex. But right now, I'd like to honor the goddesses of sex that, you know, for, for centuries, for millennia, were honored. Um, and it's just so fun to honor the sex and love goddesses what i had a lot of fun doing was going through different um, cultures and kind of looking up some of their theirs uh i i got a pretty big list so i'm just going to bring out a couple that i i thought a couple out of my list that i thought were particularly fun um so and forgive me if I pronounce some of these wrong because I don't remember how to speak in the Aztec language. So we're going to say, we're going to start with the Aztecs. We're going kind of, kind of alphabetical, kind of not. But the Aztec, uh, we're going to start with, yes, the Aztec one. There was one called Chucky Quetzal. I believe that's how we say it. Chucky Quetzal. And if I got that wrong, I apologize. Please let me know how to say it properly. I'd appreciate it. It starts with an X. So, um, a lot of a lot of the female Aztec uh, earth deities are connected with agriculture, and uh, and sexual like drive. So a lot of times, and not just Aztec, but when you look at a lot of the sex and love goddesses in um, throughout the mythologies of the world and throughout history, and I'll say history because some of the the goddesses were actually living people who then later got uh, deified, became glorified as, as deities and goddesses. They were walking, talking people. Um, and uh, not not all of them were. Some of them were um, what people were aware of energetically. That's how I'm going to say it. Don't say it as an imagined thing. I feel like when an entire culture has an awareness and they talk about an energy and they... they um, they revere it, they worship it, um, they pay obeisances to it, they have austerities because of it. All of that, all of those things that you would do um, as a respect to a god or a goddess, those are all um, all things that I would say qualify them as real. So... They're real to the people, and that's to me what matters. So that's what I'm gonna, how I'm gonna refer to them tonight, um, as entities and deities that are real. So, Choky Ketzal, um, she was depicted as a youthful, alluring woman, and still is depicted that way. Um, she usually wears really um, beautiful clothes and things that look like vegetation and a lot of flowers. Uh, she's also representative of the human desire, pleasure, excess, and she appears as the patroness of artisans involved in the manufacture of luxury items. I picked her of the Aztec goddesses. There was a, a few. Just remember, I'm just picking some of the ones that like super jumped out at me as fun. What I liked about her is that it's like she's into desire, pleasure, and luxury items. She's my girl. I love you, Chokycatzal. You're pretty freaking awesome. So cheers to you and however we would praise you thank you so much you're so freaking cool. And you know if any of these goddesses like jump out at you as like wow that's awesome she's cool. Uh look them up there's there are Representations of these, uh, usually the Mayan ones were carved into stone and they'll be like three-dimensional. Some of the other ones were, you know, there were clay figures made of them. They were carved into buildings. There are paintings in caves, uh, depictions in Egypt uh, of paintings. You know, there's all kinds of things uh, all around the world that actually give the depiction of the goddess. And, uh, they would get an idea of what, um, her purpose was usually by her body, um, body build. So when you would look at them, you know, if she had like a, a really large hips, you would usually know, ah, oh, fertility goddess, really large breasts, you know, uh, usually that would have to do also fertility, but also like nurturing and food. And I can kind of tell by the goddess bodies what they're about, you know, the ones with the open labia are usually pretty sexy goddesses. So. Find the ones that you find are uh, attractive to you and kind of start to have conversations with them. And guys listening too, this does not exclude you. You also have female energy in you. I know, hard to imagine, but guess what? Goddess gave birth to you. So you can also honor her and the goddess within you even though, um, you know, you're a man in this embodiment. How many lifetimes were you actually in a female embodiment? So I'm talking to everybody not just talking to the ladies out there or the ones who identify themselves as women. So, um, there's a Canaanite goddess by the name Astarte. And I think some of you, if you're familiar with goddesses, you might have heard of uh, Astarte. There was, um, I think it was like a TV or public broadcasting thing about goddesses way back. I remember watching it in university and there was a song on it um that had a the Astarte name and it. it was like Hecate Demeter Astarte there was a bunch of um there was a bunch of goddesses invocations um and just like beautiful women dancing around um, honoring honoring the goddess um and speaking of dancing around honoring the goddess there are different places you can go to do goddess dancing and if you are in the Toronto area and you happen to like be interested in doing some goddess dancing, um, just uh, Google search that, goddess dancing. There are some women I used to dance with in uh, the Toronto area that have some goddess workshops that are very fun. So check them out. I can't remember their names right now. That was just such a sideline. So Astarte, let's talk about her again. Astarte is connected with fertility, sexuality, and war. What a combination, right? I'm going to have sex with you and I'm going to shoot your head off. I kind of like the intensity of Astarte because of that, you know, just that willingness, you know, that's like Kali. She'll like make love to you and then she'll chop your head off. She's so cool. And so sometimes there's that intensity in relationships, right? It's like you feel, you feel kind of like, oh yeah, I'm a, uh, I feel like so intensely, like in love, and your body is like all orgasmic and yum-yum, and then, you know, five minutes later, you want to punch the person in the head. It's possible. You can have you can have those extreme polarized energies going on. They're all survival energies. They're all really base chakra um, rooted in survival mode, you know, um, reproduction and death and life all there, all sitting in that very root chakra. So it doesn't surprise me that Astarte would be connected with both fertility, sexuality, and war all at the same time. She's symbolized by a lion, the horse, and the sphinx, and the dove. Um, and so you can also like kind of notice, too, sometimes you might find yourself attracted to certain things that these goddesses are, are symbolic of, and maybe you have a connection to them in a way that you didn't even know. Even ask yourself, you know, were you ever maybe... Uh, a matron of of one of the goddesses did you you know were you one of the people who held um, held different events for them or uh, I can't remember like were you you know part of the cults of the different goddesses I would ask you know so for every goddess that comes up like our Aztec goddess Choki Quetzal you know were you were you part of her cult hmm interesting uh, were you part of a Starsees cult? And so, when you are, when you have in any lifetime um, connected yourself to any of the cults of any of these goddesses, um, you can two things: you can create limitations based on that you will only honor that goddess for the rest of your life if you've made some kind of vows or oaths to that goddess. But the second thing is, is you will also get all the benefits of connecting to that goddess, right? It's just an energy you carry with you that is part of a belief that it can be part of a limitation, but it can be part of a bonus. So anywhere that you're letting it be a limitation, just destroy and uncreate all that, and, and anywhere that you'd like to ramp it up and invite more of these energies in to contribute to your life, your living, your love life, your sex life, bring these ladies in. Bring these energies of these entities, these goddesses into your life. So. Astarte is often shown naked, which I really love about her, and she's known as the morning and or evening star, and thus Astarte. In um, in Slavic, in the Slavic tradition of different uh, goddesses, there's also a morning and evening star deity as well. I didn't write her down, but um i just really really thought that was cool like so many of these have have uh, affiliations like that the morning and evening star so she takes on many forms uh, in different cultures and sometimes she's known as ishtar so you might have heard of ishtar from the 3rd uh, millennium bc and the sumerian goddess anna also uh Ishtar and Inanna were all part of that song that I I remember hearing in university. So very fun. It's like fun when I was reading through these. I was like, oh, those are the girls. That's what they meant. I never really looked them up back in university. It wasn't something I had to um, know for an exam. So I just kind of did it. And plus, we didn't have such great resources as we have now, easily accessible at our fingertips. Uh, And I was not a fan of going to the library. It was like pain for me. But now that we have uh, Google and searches, and that's fun. (laughs) That's way more fun for me than going into the library and trying to find the book I need on the different goddesses. So we're going to move on from the Canaanites, and we're going to move into the Chinese. Now this is someone I was telling you guys about that I wanted to mention that we have goddesses, but then we've also got uh, one that's going to be a god. So I will talk about this. Uh, this character, um, I'll give you a little clue just before we go to break. This character, although he's a god, um, he was also a real person um, from what it says. He was actually a soldier. But what I like about it is he he has to do with the love and sex between homosexual people, which I didn't find a lot of that going on in many other cultures. So thank you, Chinese people, for honoring, you know, honoring homosexuals as well. So cool. So we're going to talk more about that deity when we come back from this commercial break.
2: Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Melita Yellenich, and this is the Pleasure Zone. Tonight, we're talking about sex and love goddesses, because who doesn't love a love goddess? Um, But I did mention just before break that I was going to talk a little bit about a Chinese deity who is the representative for sex between homosexual people. So... It's a folk tale from the 17th century, so they say. A soldier is in love with a provincial officer and spies on him to see him naked. The official has the soldier tortured and killed, but he returns from the dead in the form of a leveret, which is a a rabbit in its first year, in the dream of a village elder. The leveret demands that local men build a temple to him where they can burn incense in the interest of affairs of men. And so the story and that's so the story ends. According to the custom of the Fujian province, it's acceptable for a man and a boy to form a bond and to speak to each other as if to brothers. Hearing the villager relate to the dream, the other villagers strove to contribute money to erect the temple. I like that they erected it. They kept silent about this secret vow, which they quickly and eagerly filled. Others begged to know their reason for building the temple, but they did not find out. They all went there to pray though, and they never realized that they were praying for the deity between homosexual people, which is very fun, isn't it? I like that. Another one for China is Peng Zhu. Now what I read about him was that he was like the god of um oh what was it, it was like uh anal sex, but <laughs> But uh, they they didn't really say a lot about that. So that intrigued me, which clicked me through. But then it, they didn't tell me more about that. I was like, wow, anal sex, that's very specific. Uh, Peng Zhu is one of, um, I think it was the same guy, yeah, one of his life-extending techniques. Oh, no, sorry, that might have been another character. Um, and so I'll just talk about Peng Zhu, but the... The one with anal sex was fascinating. I'll see if I can get that on the next break. Peng Zhu used, he was really into sex big time. And he would use, uh, and apparently he lived to like 800 years old as well. But then they said in China at the time that every 60 days was considered a year. And then, so they thought, well, then he was 130. But then they also thought, well, maybe he was actually 400 for real or maybe 200 for real. Nobody really knows how old Peng Zhu is. However, the story is that he was a superstar at sex. And he would, um it was it was purported that he would extract female energy into his male body. So he would harvest yin to supplement his yang. And he ate naturally and used herbs to enrich his nutrition. He was known for cooking excellent soup, too. But this this guy actually was real. And he, at some point, uh, was regarded as like a deity demigod sort of thing. So pretty cool, eh? Um, what else can I tell you about him is that um there is still festivals every year for people to pay respects to him to his legacy and to pray for a happier, healthier, and longer lives and you know if you really want, I just thought that was fascinating that he he knew the power and the potency of the female energy, so he would harvest it as he would as they say harvest it into his body um and use that so yeah, it's a great question. How do you become a goddess? Well, according to these uh, according to these stories, becoming a goddess is one of those things you could have been walking the earth for a while and then maybe legends became about you because, you know, maybe some stories were told. Um, but the the gods and the goddesses that were like in Greek times those were considered like energetic beings. They were considered beings that were real. They were not they were not necessarily human. They were they were considered gods, right? So they were not you didn't become one. You were born one. So so for Greeks, we're going to talk about Aphrodite, which is a very very famous one. For Romans it's Venus, for Greeks it's Aphrodite. Um, for any of you who aren't familiar with that, cool. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her because uh, Ziva, my daughter, is really into the Greeks and Roman goddesses right now. She's she's really uh, she's really into reading these these books um, like the Percy Jackson series, and they have all these Greeks and Roman goddesses in them. So, Aphrodite is the ancient Greek goddess of love, beauty, pleasure, and procreation. Yep. She's identified with the planet Venus, no doubt, thus just like the Roman goddess Venus. And Venus, with whom Aphrodite was, uh, they're very much, like, synchronized. They're very much, pretty much the same in so many ways. So... The cult of Aphrodite was largely derived from that of the Phoenician goddess Astarte, which we talked about earlier, um, and Ishtar, who we also sort of stepped on in Inanna. So these goddesses, they have similar qualities. They just have different names around the world. So when you look at that, just look at that essence of that, is that there is a consistency that there are sex and love goddesses who have similar uh, symbols in different cultures, around the world across oceans across lands that people couldn't travel through at that time that were like thousands of you know miles apart would have taken them lifetimes to travel that or you know maybe you know an entire lifetime to travel that and this information is consistent so i find that fascinating so, in Greek mythology, Aphrodite was married to Hephaestus, the god of blacksmiths and metalworking. It's like me married to my husband mike the I'm like the goddess of love and sex, and he's like the god of like making stuff, not necessarily metalwork, but we'll say woodwork and stuff. So it all makes sense to me. This all goes so like so in sync so despite this, Aphrodite was frequently unfaithful to him and had many lovers and that is in the odyssey she's caught in the act of adultery with ares the god of war and and she's also uh she also at some point she also has sex with hermes and and then they have a baby and they have hermaphrodite but i don't have more information on that that's just from my memory right now um yeah she does all kind of people she's a surrogate mother to a to adonis she you know, you name it, Aphrodite's done it. So high five to Aphrodite, who was all about having um, a totally different experience with sex and love and just like going for it. Cause, you know, it doesn't, you don't know, have to have the title of goddess to have the kind of freedom of a choice in your sex life like Aphrodite had and has. She still has it. Tap into her if you'd like some more choice in your sex life there, my friends. We're gonna talk about the Hindu goddess of love. Her name is Araiti. Um what I like about Raiti is she's connected with the Kama Sutra. Oh yeah, Raiti, you go girl. So she's the chief consort and assistant of Kama, as in Kama Sutra. That's right, Kamadeva, the god of love. He's a constant companion. She is a constant companion of Kama, and she's often depicted with him in legend and temple sculptures. She enjoys worship along with Kama, and Raita is often associated with the arousal and delight of sexual activity. Go, Raita, go! And many sex techniques and positions derive their Sanskrit names from hers. So, how can you not love Raiti? She's so freaking cool, She's got, like, sex techniques named after her. She's got, like, she arouses us. She gets us, like, going. Bring it on, Raiti. I already love you. The Hindi scriptures stresses that Raiti's beauty, and they always talk about her beauty and sensuality, and they depict her as a maiden who has the power to enchant the god of love. Well, naturally, that's Kama, the god of love. When the god Shiva burnt her husband to ashes, it was Raiti. Whose beseeching or penance leads to the promise of Kama's resurrection or erection. <laughs> Often, this resurrection occurs when Kama is reborn as Pradyumna, the son of Krishna. So, Raiti, under the name Mayayayati, plays a critical role in the upbringing of Pradyumna. Now, this is where it gets crazy. So, you got to remember, Raiti then becomes Pradyumni. But under the name of Maya Yati, she also raises herself. No, sorry, Kama is Pradyuma So that was her lover. He becomes Pradyuma Just trying to get this straight for you guys. And then then Raiti becomes Maya Maya And she brings up Pradyumna, who is separate separated from his parents at birth and she accesses nanny as well as his lover. Thus, reincarnates as his lover again, but as his nanny lover. That's hardcore. That be illegal in our country. But you know what? You go, righty. You just reincarnated to become his nanny and his lover. I don't even know how you got away with it, but you go, girl. That's wicked. And she tells him the way to return to his parents by slaying the demon king, who's destined to die at his hands. Isn't that great? And later... Kama Pradyuma accepts Raiti Mayayati as his wife. Isn't that the sweetest? Nanny, wife, who knows? Love knows no bounds. Now, we're, oh, I'm going to just, uh, see, I might be just going a little crazy here. Whew. So, we're going to actually, uh, I'm going to head to break a few seconds early so that I can come back and uh, just keep going with the other gods and goddesses. And, yeah, so we'll head to break now. We'll be right back in a few minutes
0: to receive more in your sex life and quite possibly other areas of your life as well. Listen for the Pleasure Zone with Militza every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central Time, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, and 5 p.m. Pacific Time on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com.
2: Hey everybody, this is Dr. Dane here, and I would like to invite you to an adventure in being. I've just written and finished a new book known as Being You, Changing the World. Are you one of those dreamers, one of those people who's always known that other possibilities should be available but haven't yet been able to see them be created? Well, I wrote this book for you. In it, you'll find tools, processes, and unique perspectives to change the things you've always wanted to change but didn't know how. In it, you'll find an invitation to a different possibility for a way that we can be, in this world. That changes not only our lives, but by being us allows us to contribute to changing everything planet wide that doesn't work. Are you aware that truly great people, truly being them, is the only thing that has ever created a great change on this planet? Are you willing to step up? Are you willing to be one? Check out a copy of my new book, Being You, Changing the World. I invite you to go to beingyoubook.com for a free gift.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Pleasure Zone. I'm your host, Melitza Yelanić, and tonight's intriguing and interesting research has led me to sex and love goddesses. Oh, yeah. This is like sex and love goddesses from around the world. And we're celebrating them not just because they're cool, but also because I would like to create more communion with the men and the women in the world. And we all have a little goddess in us, you know and next week we'll probably talk about the gods of the world because you know what all of it's intriguing and interesting isn't it so so the next god is goddess is a Norse goddess Freya i think a lot of you have probably heard of Freya actually there was a very cool store when i was in university in Windsor Ontario that was called Freya i just loved going in there they had the grooviest stuff going on it was like it was a bit like um head shop with more beautiful things in it but there was definitely some marijuana going on somewhere so it was fascinating and it wasn't legal yet so hey yay Freya so Freya is the goddess associated with love, sex beauty, fertility gold, yay gold Uh, war and death, don't you love it? there's like love and death they're usually super connected yay Norse gods So, what I really like about Freya is not only is she all about the love, she's, she also, like, is very particular. So, on the battlefield, you know, before, before the, before you die in Norse belief, you either go to Valhalla and hang with Odin, or you hang with Freya, and she's the chooser of the slain. She gets to pick you. I'd be like, hey, yeah, Freya, I'm coming with you. Because I think, you know, for the most part, it's, the, it's those Norse Viking fighters that actually want to go to Valhalla. And I think I'd probably want to go hang out with Freya and have some love sex, beauty, gold, a little more war, a little more death. I think I'd just enjoy it more. Freya assists deities by allowing them to use her feathered cloak. Um, it's invoked. She uses it to invoke matters of fertility and love, and is frequently sought after by different uh, powerful gods to make uh, her their wife. So good for you, Freya. Everybody wants a little piece of Freya, 'cause she's a hottie, and she likes gold, she likes beauty, and she likes stuff. And some of these goddesses like really, really excite me. Freya's one of them, mostly because I've heard of Freya for so long in my life. Um, this uh, research has been a lot of fun, actually, and it's brought me back. <laughs> Freya is wild, yeah. <laughs> so, um, comments in the chat room. So it actually brought me back to looking at, um, you know, some of my own roots, uh, my own cultural roots. Um, So I was looking at Slavic goddesses. And how could I pass up this goddess? I could never pass up this goddess. I named my daughter after her, Ziva. She was the Slavic goddess of life and fertility. And so many of my family do not call my daughter Ziva. Ziva, which is actually a Hebrew name for, um, Hebrew for, so I've been told, for splendor and um jiva which is uh, spelt the same way pronounced slightly different goddess of fertility so when i was going through this research and telling my daughter i was doing this and i showed her that her name is a, a goddess name she was so freaking excited She was like i'm a goddess i'm like hell yeah you are sister and so she wanted to know more about it and and we kind of did some more investigation so she was actually worshipped throughout Northern Slavs, as well as Central, like Czech Republic, Slovakia, um, and the name Jiva itself is a name that we use in Serbia, like the former Yugoslavia, so Serbia, uh, for basically for life, life God. That it's short form for jibog um, uh, which is an, also Jiva. So, means she who lives. Uh, They're conceived... So, here we go. The incarnation of the supreme polarity, specifically as male and female, whose interaction begets life, is Jibog, the life god, uh, or life dispenser, and Jiva, who she who lives. They're conceived as either siblings or spouses, gods of love, fertility, and marriage. So... I'm sure Ziva's going to be excited to find out more about the fact that she's a goddess. Because who wouldn't want to know that, right? Or check out your own name. Find out if you are your name has been derived from any goddess name. I bet you somewhere in there. I didn't check mine out. I just got so sidetracked after that that um, I started listening to goddess invocations from Serbia that were. There was a great one for invoking the goddess of rain, um, Dodole, uh, it's, it's called. But So I checked that out on YouTube, and then I listened to a whole bunch of other invocations of goddesses and listened to these beautiful voices of these women who are just like, man, even if you don't understand the language, it hits your heart. And how many other goddess invocations are out there, songs out there that are... Ancient old, they speak to our beings, they speak to our souls. They actually do they actually are invocations of energies that we've forgotten that we can call upon. You know, let's let's look them up. So uh I'm I don't think I'm legally allowed to play songs on this uh show for um copyright reasons otherwise i would have brought some on for you guys but please do look them up and see what intrigues you there i bet you're going to find some pretty cool invocation songs for different things that you can groove out to in the background um add to your life bring into your life bring bring those energies back man it's fun stuff so um what would you like to explore with them you know a lot of different cultures in the world will create different things like um Altars to the goddesses, and they might even create—you um, know—a lot of them have special holidays or um, festivities, festivals dedicated to them. So there's no reason why you can't enjoy those as well. So, for <laughs> bring it on! And yes, if you do have an inv- if you have a certain look you'd like to wear for this invocation, go for it. Dress up, enjoy it. Uh, tap into them because these energies are—they exist on the planet. We've just let them go to sleep for a very long time. We've let them go to sleep in our memory. They're not asleep in the world. They're definitely awake and alive in the world. We've let them go to sleep in our own consciousness, in our own memories, in our own uh, minds and beings. So let's wake those energies up and bring them back to life and really enjoy them. So next week we're going to be talking about the gods of love. How fun will that be? I will have that posted ASAP for you guys so you can enjoy that and check it out. Um, in the meantime, I'm going to be listening to lots of goddess invocations and probably get my groove on. I hope you guys are too. Check out my website, com and check out my Facebook. i got some videos for you.